0: Good morning. Happy New Year. Um, I'm reading from Psalm 19, uh, 7 through 11. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right. Rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb moreover by them is your servant warned in keeping them there is great reward
1: good morning and for another time happy new year everyone imagine if you were in Samoa and you lost a day but got to be the first one in the new year huh so anyway, I am Lorne, and I've been coming to Regen for several years, although I maybe don't know all of you. And Albert asked if I could share a little this morning and remember to pray for them and their family as they're down south with their family and relatives as well. So let's just look to God for a minute. And Father, we thank you that we can be here, and that we can have the fellowship with you and with one another that when two or three gather together in your name, that you're here in our midst. And we thank you for your word and just ask that that word might speak to our hearts, that our hearts be open to you, and that we would hear from you. In Jesus' name, amen. It's hard to know what to say when you don't usually speak, but I would like to just kind of maybe give the testimony of what God's word means to me the Word of God, which, you know, is a fundamental part of Regen, is the centrality of the Word of God, the expository preaching, going through it line by line, precept by precept, which to me is so strong and so powerful because it avoids getting on any pet subjects, it avoids what they call text-proofing, finding one scripture to support your point of view, but rather going through the word of God, which I think is really the strength of this church and what makes us strong. And it brings the focus to the word of God rather than to the vessel. and It keeps God's word central. So we have the Old Testament reading here from Psalm 19. And then in the New Testament, we have Second Timothy 3. 14 to 17 and this is total low-tech this this morning. Albert speaks from his iPad and we're way back into low-tech today. But 2 Timothy 3:14 through 17 again, but you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete. King James used to say, perfect, thoroughly equipped, and to every good work so we get to that word inspiration all scripture is given by inspiration of god and i started looking into it and there's a long greek word and i don't know greek and it says inspiration is god breathed and you can go all into this and i started going into it and all of a sudden i said wait wait a minute stop this is beyond my depth this isn't me And we're just going to leave it there that scripture is inspired by God. It's not a man's book, it's God's book. We know it's written over a period of about 1,500 years. There's 66 books. And breath is life. And it starts right back in Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. God created the heaven and the earth. And verse 2 says and the earth was without form and void and darkness was on the face of the deep and the spirit of God the life of God could almost say the breath of God because breath and life and inspiration and spirit all have a common correlation was hovering over the face of the waters but it gets better than that because in chapter 2 verse 7 God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed breath of God into his nostrils, the breath of life, and man became a living being. So there we are at the beginning. Psalm 33, verse 6, puts it together again. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and the host of them by the breath of his life. So the scripture is the same breath of God that created the world, that created us, that breathed life into us, and we have it today, and it's given by inspiration of God. But again, like I say, I don't want to go into an academic outline of inspiration, I really want to talk about what it's meant to me and how the scripture became real and speaks to me and how it speaks to you. And the challenge for us this year that, again, the scripture would be central in our lives. Personally, I grew up in a very, very fundamentalist background, which was rigid and strict. And if you go all the way back or go back sometime, there's a strong history of defending the scripture of arguing for the scripture of arguing for the inspiration of the scripture and comes out of some um, logical reasons or pushbacks historically in the 1800s liberalism was on the rise even back in the 1700s you had the jefferson bible and jefferson did some very very interesting things to the bible he believed it was a good book He believed it was a good guide for life. He believed it was a moral guide. And he believed that there were no miracles. And there actually was a Jefferson Bible that he put out where he cut out all the miracles and just put together the parts of the Bible that he thought were acceptable to him. And so against that background, Christian fundamentalism came up to fight for the um, validity of the Bible, to fight for the um, authenticity for, for what we have. And I'm sure that's important. But in some ways, it gets us off track because we're arguing over terms, and that's why I don't want to jump into all the different... Nuances of inspiration. There's a half a dozen different terms. There's verbal inspiration, there's plenary inspiration, and a bunch that I forget. And, um, you know, it's good enough for me that God breathed His life into the Word, and that when I read it, it's life to me, or that when we hear it, it's life to us. And there's arguments over inerrancy and infallibility. A lot of arguments and a lot of shifting of nuances. But to me, why does God have to be defended? You know, he's a lot bigger than me. His word's a lot more authoritative than I am. And I really find that God, and maybe it's a simplistic on my part, and I'm not knocking um, apologetics and... uh, You know, the defense, um, Josh McDowell's books, they're good. I just never get into them. Um, You know, in defense of the Bible, in defense of God. um, I found God to be so big, so real, that I can accept him. Now, if you have questions, I also find that he answers our questions. So that's just me then we get these other arguments of trying to mesh together creation and evolution and intelligent design. I was thinking about that and I went and got a Bible that my mom gave to me when I was eight years old. And in the margins here, it said that Genesis 1 happened in 4004 BC. And that was actually figured out about four or five hundred years ago by a fellow named Bishop Usher who took the whole calendar and worked all the genealogies back and he ascertained that the creation was in 4004 BC. Of course we've got our fellow now who's working the other end and he's got the date when the Lord's coming on the other end. But what's good enough for me is that in the beginning God was there and that's so important because the other ancient histories didn't have a beginning they didn't have a beginning they didn't have bookends on their history they were just placed in a cyclical history you look at your uh, eastern religions today they're cyclical, they reincarnate they don't start with a beginning point they don't go to an end it's not a history where God is involved it's a muddling through What's important to me is that there's a beginning, and in the beginning was God. Then you go John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then what is really neat is that we can flip all the way through. If My low-tech notes have it here somewhere. If not, we'll just flip there. To Revelation 22, 9. And that says wrote it down wrong 22 7 behold I am coming quickly blessed is he who keeps the prophecy of this book so God gives us bookends to life and we're in the middle and we're players in his story and it's in his drama it's in his history there we are And you and I are players, and we're integral in that as well. So how important is the Bible to you? How important is it? Is it your milk, and is it your meat, and is it part of your daily life? Do we come here on Sunday, and we get a little dose? That would be kind of like going out for lunch after church with your friends and eating really good and not eating the rest of the week. And yet that's so easy to do, spiritually. My own testimony was, again, being in a church pretty much all my life and not missing. Believing, but it's when the hard times come that God's word became real to me. And it became essential to me. And about five years ago, a lot of things unraveled for us. Our social framework kind of unraveled. Some friends weren't part of our lives anymore. And then we're talking about 2006, 2007, and I'm in real estate. And, of course, the business unraveled, too. And in my heart, I had a lot of hurt. I had a lot of anger. I had some unforgiveness. And I was alone with everything going down around me. And that was when God's word became part of my life like it never was before. And that was when I started finding scriptures and applying them to my life and uh, etching them into my life. And just living off of them. So, the first one I found, and it's another low tech thing here I did, was I wrote them down on little cards. And I'd carry them with me. And I found the scripture in Lamentations 3 22. Through God's mercies we are not consumed. Because his compassions fail not, they are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness Lamentations 2 23 I knew the song great is thy faithfulness I didn't know where it came from I read that scripture and I said wow it's word for word that song that was written by Jeremiah again it's his lamentation he spent his life warning Judah warning them to repent warning them not to make an alliance with Egypt, warning them that they would be destroyed, warning them that God would turn away from them for their unfaithfulness. And at the end, when it all happened, when Israel was carried away and he was left in Jerusalem, he was sitting there and he wrote Lamentations. And right in the middle there's this burst of sunlight through God's mercies we are not consumed because his compassions fail not they are new every morning great is your faithfulness so a little bit personal first uh, quarter of 2008 I hadn't sold any real estate and I was doing something in the trade is called a BPO BPO is a broker price opinion where you give a value of a property, it's kind of like a mini appraisal, and you get paid $50. So I'm three months behind on mortgages and credit cards, and there's no more credit, and there's no place to go, and I'd get these little checks for $50. And I kept $50 cash in my pocket, because if I had $50, I had one more tank of gas, so I could work for one more week. And I had this funny little male lady, and she'd come into the office and she'd have three or four envelopes, and she could tell they were all checks. And she'd always go, lots of checks, lots of checks, very rich, very rich. (laughs) But this was my routine in the morning. I got up, showered, got ready. Went in the living room, spend about a half an hour I'd read, I'd pray have breakfast feeling pretty good from the breakfast table to the front door every morning I'd break down and cry and some days I'd say Lord is there ever going to come a day when I'm not going to cry every morning but this was my scripture through God's mercies we are not consumed and you know you read the promises, and I was reading promises, and I was gathering promises. And I read promises that said, what, what has been stolen from you will be returned double. And I read promises that God would find someone. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, Jeremiah 29:11. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. I'd look at that somehow I believed it and some I said how I said Lord none of that's happening and nothing happened overnight but my point is the word of God was being continually put in my heart and the word of God was making the difference. Now remember I said at the same time there was hurt in my heart there was anger there was unforgiveness towards at least one particular person who yeah, it didn't do me quite right. But I found in God's word that it was powerful. And it was strength in my life it took us through every day. Now, the amazing thing was he took me through some of the financial things. took me through different things. I prayed for years that I'd forgive this person that I could forget the hurt, that I could forget the slight. Obviously, I'm not going into the detail. And I'd say, okay, I'm past it. And um, I wasn't. I met a person who was a total stranger. Met him for about 15 minutes, found some things in common, shared a few things, shared this incident with him all of a sudden it just rose up in me again guy's a stranger knowing me for 15 minutes and he turned to me and he says well you know lord you've got to let go of that just like that you've been praying for five years for god to take it out this man said you've got to let go of that i kind of shook myself and i says you know lord if you're going to use a stranger to talk to me (laughs) time to let go of it huh And that takes me to Hebrews and back to the topic of Scripture. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the division of soul and spirit and of joint and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. When we fill our lives with the Word of God, you never know when God's just going to use that and make the correction that needs to be made. We have a new year coming, and we look at our old lives. And sometimes it's kind of the old life, right? And sometimes we pray about things. And sometimes we're saying, "God change me." And sometimes we're saying, "How do I change?" how do I do this how do I do that I think there's a little secret in uh, Romans 12 1 and 2 I beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice wholly acceptable to God which is your reasonable service and do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind how do you renew your mind by filling it with good things. Sometimes you try to cut out the bad things, but, you know, then there's still a, there's still a space. and The bad things don't really want to go anyway. Renew your mind. Filling it with the good things. Filling it with the life, the living word of God. That way, we can be a people of the word. We can feed from it. And we can be nourished daily. So that's a little bit the challenge that I feel in my heart for 2012. I um, said to the Lord, "Do you have a, do you have a promise for me for this year?" I guess I didn't really think on it that much. Got all of these lined up, but give me a new promise. He didn't. Instead, he said, "You know, I've got something to look after here." whoops, yep, I do. got to work this out in your life so that I can then take you where you need to go. What am I going to do? I'm going to find the scriptures on that particular topic, on that particular weakness, and I'm going to fill my life with the positive to fill up that negative spot. So, You know, again, you have in Psalm 119, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to thy word. Thy word have I hid in my heart, that I might not sin against thee. Bible's full of all of these. We brush over them, but let them penetrate deeply into our hearts. I think of the interns who have the assignment to read the whole Bible in a year to be saturated in it I've never asked any of you what your experience was like when you've done that but what a wonderful opportunity to take a year out of your life just to let yourself dwell in the word of God even dwell in the house of God and for the rest of us we um, have to make the opportunity we have to take that time make the practice suggest keep it simple You know, if you're a scholar, that's great. I have one friend. He's in his 60s. Every morning when he does his devotion in the New Testament, he does it in Greek. I'm not there. You know, the message is fine. The translation that speaks to you, the one that you can read, the one that you can relate to, its the Word of God. Joshua 1.8. This book of the law shall not depart out from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Back to the New Testament, Colossians 3:16 and 17. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, in all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another in songs and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts, and whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So that's the challenge I feel for my heart and that I felt to share a little bit today. And trust that we'll have a great year in the Word, corporately as a body, individually, and we'll see what God does in our lives, in our fellowship, in our communities. In addition to the Word, another practice that's very, very meaningful to me at Regen that I haven't experienced in quite the same way in any other fellowship is what we're doing next. And that's the time of prayer and contemplation before we come to the table. And to me, it's a busy life. I have a hectic life. And um, I don't help any because I've got a high-strung personality. So I don't calm down a whole lot anyway. But when I come to Regen... The word prepares our hearts. We have an opportunity here that I see in so few other fellowships. And that's what we have now for the next 15 or so minutes. And that's just to contemplate what God's speaking to us. It's not a one-way street. It's a two-way street. God talks to us. We get to talk to him. We get to have fellowship. And honestly, of the whole seven days of the week, this next ten minutes is the most important to me. Because it's the time when it gets quiet. And the Lord and I talk. So that is what we do. We're coming now to the table. The table of the Lord, which uh, commemorates Jesus' last Passover, our communion and our time. To again partake with him, the body and the blood of our Lord, broken for us, sacrificed for us on the cross. And we do this every week. And we commemorate, we look again in contemplation, we measure up our hearts before the Lord, we measure ourselves with one another. So I'm going to read just a little different scripture to prepare us for the table. Psalm 23 verse 5 you prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies you anoint my head with oil my cup runs over surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever the table is here for those who know Jesus who've made a commitment to him maybe that's everyone here if it's not it's not considered an obligation to participate, but to respectfully seek God for yourself. There's people here who could pray with you. You can come forward if you want to know Jesus or if you have something to deal with in a deeper way. But may the Lord meet us at his table. This is also the time when we have our giving, which is in the boxes at the back, and again... If you're a visitor, that's not necessarily obligatory, but we do um, invite you, if you um, know Jesus, to participate in the fellowship now at his table. Father, we thank you for your table. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your son. We thank you that you bring it all together, that of the vast millions and billions of people upon the earth, you still call us by name, and you know each one of us intimately. We pray that this would be a time of intimacy for us as we reflect on what you have done for us, what you have for us this coming year, and we ask that you will bless each one, bring us to you in a closer way, knit us together in Jesus' name.